1: Hello, you're listening to a special episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we chat to the head of story of the Mitchells vs. the Machines, Guillermo Martinez. Timmy Fland, movie buff
0: and I'm Lee Livingstone entertainment journalist and
1: we love to talk all things movies we
0: do and the Mitchells versus the machines Tim it follows a quirky dysfunctional family whose road trip gets upended by a robot apocalypse suddenly the Mitchells led by their creative college-bound daughter Katie are humanity's unlikeliest last hope
1: the Mitchells vs. The Machines is written and directed by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe, starring Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Michael Riander, Eric Andre and Olivia Colman.
0: So ahead of the Oscars this month, where The Mitchells vs. The Machines is nominated for Best Animation, we are absolutely thrilled to welcome the incredibly talented Guillermo Martinez from Sony Pictures to talk about the film with us.
1: That's right, Lee. Guillermo is an animator and was head of story on The Mitchells vs. The Machines, and he's here to share some fun insights on what that involves and how the unique, Film was made, as well as his big Oscar night plans. Yeah.
0: Before we dive into the interview, though, we didn't get to review Mitchell's versus the Machines when it was released during the time we dare not speak of. It was pushed to the streaming service, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But what did you think of the film?
1: I loved this movie. Bloody
0: loved it. It was so fun.
1: It, it was so fun. It had so much energy, but had big big heart which is everything you want from an animated film
0: yeah and we've never seen animation quite like this from Sony Pictures before and we get Mm. to talk to Guillermo about the nuances and the uniqueness of that
1: Sony Pictures are pushing the boundaries on Mm. what they do with animation which is great
0: and do you know I think that Mitchell's versus the machines is the most nominated animated film ever really yeah it's had so many nominations it's won some big awards and now on to the Oscars
1: yes well we have our fingers and toes crossed that it will take home the trophy. But without further ado, Lee, let's hear from Guermo Martinez about the Mitchells versus the machines.
0: Who are these unstoppable warriors? We're the Mitchells, the
1: only
3: people who can save the world. I'm super sorry, everyone.
1: Hi, Guermo. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with Popcorn Podcast today. It's a real, real thrill.
3: Oh, thank you. No, it's, uh, the honor is all mine. I'm super <laughs> excited to chat with you guys. You're too kind. Oh, <laughs> no, It's all, all, all honestly, I, I love any sort of like podcast that deals with movies. I'm always like, I'm obsessed with those. So like you guys, there's you, there's like Empire, there's like a bunch of podcasts that I listen to. So it's really exciting to be a guest in your show, you know.
0: I love that you just put us up there with Empire. That's amazing. Thank <laughs> did, you.
3: Yeah, I totally did. <laughs> like, you guys didn't like, pay me or anything. Like it was just like, you know, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like Empire and you guys are like right there. So in my opinion.
1: Imagine if we paid you what you would say. <laughs> I have a, I have a thought, Lee. I was going to flip the interview now, where Guemo, you know, praises us, and we're not going to ask him any questions. We just want to hear how much <laughs> he loves the podcast. Now I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll kick things off, Guemo, with what? What are the key responsibilities of the head of story on an animated film?
3: Well, it, it it varies, you know. Like I think the uh, especially in this film, our the, the story department is the basically that department that is right between the script writing process and the animation. Like we're kind of making the decisions of, you know, like you know, like how to shoot the scene and how to like we kind of do like editing, cinematography, acting right before it gets into all those departments. Uh, so we're kind of we work really closely with with the director and also. With Mike has been really fun because, like, he's he was very uh, Mike was able to like be very open, you know. He like, there could be a scene where, like, oh, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it like it reads well in the script, but then when it transitions into like visuals, like it doesn't land. And so, we are the ones who are going, well, like, what, what it could it be? And so, like, you know, we have brainstorms on like on a weekly basis where like we just like try to figure out, like, you know, what joke can Monty have in this place. And so, by the end of the process, like, it feels like the, the movie is hundred percent mike and jeff's movie but like it feels that they've been in so many hands especially with story that like you know there's a joke that this storyboard artist did and this, this joke that this other person did and they had a story but job is to kind of be basically like the almost being like a conduit or like you know like be able to understand mike's vision and be able to be like okay this is what's the sort of tone that we're going for in the movie and help that with the story team and sometimes i had a story tends to like also get into the battlefield with the story team and like, you know, board like different scenes. And so I know that my job was very like helping out in like big sequences, but also at the same time managing the team. And it was just like, it was a mess of different things. And, but yeah, hopefully that that, that answer your question. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's so fascinating. What's the most important thing would you say that you have to focus on in your role?
3: Definitely making sure that, like, that because there's multiple people working on it, that like the movie doesn't feel like an anthology of different artists, you know, they saying a different thing, same thing, but it all has to feel like one voice. And so keeping that together, like, is a super important and super difficult, also, because all of a sudden you have like a idea that's really funny or really crazy, but like it might not work with the tone that we're establishing, and it's like. I think the best way to describe also a head of story is I think the one who has to make the hard decisions. You know, has to like, basically they call it the kill the babies, or right? it's like if you kill your darlings, it's like, you know, if you have a scene that you really love and you're like, oh, this is perfect and people laughed in yeah. the screening, this mm-hmm. is great. But if it doesn't work with the rest of the film, we have to like sacrifice, like a sacrifice of being like, sorry, but you're not working. And then we just get rid of that scene that was beloved but like it just makes the movie worst as a whole yeah Yeah, i think that's still that's our job and it's like it's a difficult job but you know by the end the hope is that like by the end it all felt like you know (laughs) but one of the compliments that we keep getting for the film is that people say like oh man it feels like like everything makes sense and i'm like well yeah well for five years it didn't and it was (laughs) an insane battle to To make sure that it all made sense. Uh, you're obviously a
1: really, really key element to the success of an animated film. But w- at what point in the development process were you brought on as the head of story on The Mitchells versus The Machines? Was it once the script was greenlit?
3: No, actually, um, I think the first person that got hired, I think, was Lindsay because She was just to, because we needed to like see what the world would look like. And so she had a specific visual style. Uh, but then... I started with other, other board, like two more board artists. Like I think when I started, I was just a board artist and there was going to be another head of story. But I think because I was so enamored and in love with the film and the concept, because also Mike, when he pitched it to me, he said, oh, uh, this movie is kind of like Little Miss Sunshine meets The Terminator. And if any anyone tells me that, <laughs> that as an animated movie, I'll be like. Love that. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and my wife is like, yeah, just be careful. And I'm like, no, this is the, this is the perfect movie I want to work on. I wanted to like really impress mike and just i was like i get the that you're going for like a hundred percent understand it so that dynamic worked really well so that eventually like months after uh i became the head of story uh and it, mike jeff and i were just like in a room just like bouncing ideas off each other it felt like a one hive mind okay so the script probably took like six or seven years like i came in year i, I think it was like five years ago so i think like i came in in year two or you have year one and a half I was super early on, which was great. We were in that in that weird space where you're just staring at the white page, going like, "What is this movie gonna look like?" You know, like, "What is like <laughs> the comedy gonna be?" And I still remember having the movie, the first version of it, felt very R-rated. And I don't know if you guys have talked to Mike, and probably Mike has, I don't know if he's told you the story, but like, there was a version where we had like the robots sh- stunning the 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 human beings with lasers. Okay. But when I when I boarded that sequence, it was very. <laughs> I didn't have the humans get, getting up or blinking or saying anything. So, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, they're being stunned." And then my wife, who was there at the screen, said, "Like, I think you, did you kill the humans?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, wait, what?" And then I just looked at the movie. I'm like, "Oh, they're not coming back to life." Okay, 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 okay. okay this is weird. And so my <laughs> solution, my solution was to add a extra second that's of a human saying, "What's going on?" To make sure that they weren't dead. But she's like, "No." It just looks like you killed everyone and that guy just happens to be alive.
1: So it was more more Terminator than Little Miss Sunshine then at one point.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was way more Terminator. It was way (laughs) more Terminator. Uh, And I still remember the days where, like, we were trying to find the balance and our version of balance was just going, like, full-blown, like, G. And, like, where, like, then they shut the lasers and we added, like, a sound effect that sounded like bloop, bloop, like little bubbles. Yeah. the, the executive producer at that time, Mike Moon, was like, Don't show this to anyone ever <laughs> in your life again. And we're like, Okay, sounds good. All right, well, 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 this never happened. This never happened. And so the whole movie was just like kind of finding that balance. The five years was just like tiptoeing of this like, mm. pendulum of like, ah, too dark, ah, too, too, too sweet, ah, too dark, ah, too sweet. And I think Lindsay and the and when her team came in and they were like, oh, okay, that scene that like where the robots are taking over, if we had like a splash of orange and a splash of purple and a splash of, it made it more tropical and more more lush. And mm. I think it just made it like more, how do I say it? Less like the road, basically, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Less
3: like uh, Viggo is the road. Um. It's a great, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there are there is some art that was done before where like it looked like the road like it was just like just dark clouds and just like ashes everywhere and we're like this is kind of cool and we're looking at the studio in the studio's like don't 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 we're like okay <laughs> no. <right>. we will
0: <laughs> it's fascinating how much work goes into even just one scene in an animation and, and this is such a high energy fast-paced film with so much going on What were some of the biggest creative or narrative challenges of bringing the story together? Um,
3: There's a couple. Uh, One of the ones that I just stood out was we thought that, like, all we wanted to do in the very beginning was just, like, do jokes, 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 even if the family wasn't there. And we very early on discovered that, like, if we were not focusing on the family enough, the people would just not care. Like, for example, like, there there will be scenes where, like, we would be around the world, seeing the whole world be captured. And it was like a long scene. Like there was like a lot of funny jokes that we came up with. We all in like for a month or two months, just coming up with like, how would robots take over humans? And we thought it was really funny, but it was so long that you could sense in the screenings that the audience was like, I just want to know what's happening with the Mitchells. Mm. And so that became a learning. So everything we do must be in the pursuit of making sure that we know that we're with the family. Like, you know, like if we do cut, away from someone that we just go back very quickly to the family and see how they're doing and make sure that like the jokes that are being made are character driven jokes. It's, it's helping the their, their characters on their journey. But there's so many like there's like a, there's thousands and thousands of jokes that we thought were great, but they were good by themselves. Mm. But I still still have screenings where people were like, what is happening? You know, <laughs> like, <there's, laughs> like I think we went to a screening where like there's a mom. Where the kids were enjoying the movie because it was just crazy. And then the mom was like, Did they pay these people to laugh? Why are they laughing? Like, and they were like, It was a very, like, this mom was clearly angry at us for making this film, um, which in a way felt like we we're doing something right. Uh, no. uh, but it, it that was one of them. And also, surprisingly, like the scenes that took the longest to develop were the simpler mm-hmm. ones. Like, for example, the family. meeting meeting the dumb robots and choosing to actually go out to Mm -hmm. save the day the concept of like why are they choosing to save the world like literally took so long while all the other scenes were like moving really fast like the mall scene was a one that moved really fast but that one in particular is the one scene that we were always going back to because like either the handcuffs of katie and, and and rick are trying to like work together like it just like it wasn't really gelling or like the scene was just like 10 minutes long and we're like why are we like spending 10 minutes on this scene and then eventually we ended up realizing that like the best solution is like hey let's uh, let's let's go together remember it's like the good old days when we used to go camping it's the same thing but we're just saving the world and like rick is like oh okay that feels pretty good okay yeah like the old days that's when we started realizing, oh, okay, cool. I think we know how to like get out of the scene as soon as possible. But it was just a long process for something so simple that even the audiences don't even think about it,
1: you know? Yeah. I think what we're learning is how much of a process there is to every frame of realizing an animated film and its story, like goodness me.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's wild. Mm. It's, wi- <laughs> it's wild how like, how much time is spent on a background, like working on a, on a beautiful painterly looking background that will literally be there for like a second. Mm. You, you don't think about it, but then all of a sudden, like it next to the other thing, next to the other thing is what creates this like, feeling of like, I guess we work on an, in an invisible way where, like, you know, you're not supposed to be like, oh, look at that. I mean, yes, but like, you're not supposed to be like stopping the movie to look at the background unless you're a Vizdev artist. But like, you're always like just consumed by the story and the world, and you're like, mm-hmm. this is great, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's the, that's the goal, you yeah.
0: so- know. How many screenings would you hold throughout the creative process for people? I think
3: once we get closer to the movie coming out and having more animation, like I think there's way more. Right. I think that we end up having a little bit more, but we, I think I have more than 10. I might be, I might be nuts. I think we had like more than 10. The most memorable one is definitely the first one. The first one was us being like, hey, let's go get a, a movie theater and like show the world there was a moment where like the movie might have not happen just because it was like too bleak and too dark mm. and i was like we can prove that this movie works we can prove that this movie works and we we went to a theater uh in long beach and we showed it and we were excited to just to have people see it however it was only storyboards there was no animation it was just like black and white scribbles and we're like this is good right because this has been done like this before and then i and then we we talked to this lady who was like, "Hey, I've been to all these like movie screenings where like their movies like sixty percent or ninety percent animated, and then ten percent storyboards." And we're like, "Oh no, this is gonna be a hundred percent storyboards." She's like, "Oh, I don't never, I never been to one of those." And then our producer at that time said, "Like, yeah, this is the first time we've and we've done something like this." You can see me, Mike, and Jeff turning into f- fetal characters, just, like, sweating. <laughs> did, we, did, did we just, like, dig our own grave? What is happening? Uh, we were just, like, horrified, because when you draw, like, a scribbly, I don't know if you guys have seen Storyboards, like, they're very scribbly. Just mm-hmm. see that on a giant screen, <laughs> just staring down at you. You're like, oh, this is a horrible drawing. A good moment was that, like, well, the moment that the laptop broke in and the, and the dinner scene, that was really scribbly, but when it broke, everyone went, oh, <gasps> I was like, oh, okay. So regardless of how scribbly it is, people are getting it, especially kids. Kids, like, they're better at getting these sort of things more than the parents sometimes. There were also a lot more with the studio just to know what our peers thought. But uh, yeah, I think that's the right amount. Or I might be wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And talk us through the animation techniques. How is it different to other Sony animations like Hotel Transylvania, for example?
3: I mean, it's interesting because, like, one of the desires that like the the president of the studio Christine Belson, had was that, this, that that Sony would be wouldn't have like a house style, like that we would do just like different things. Like you would have Hotel Transylvania, but you would also have Spider Verse, but you will also have Mitchells. That's what I kind of love about this thing is it makes me like you know we're not limited to just doing something that it looks just like one thing. But that being said, like you know we are gaining information from the movies that are, have been around us. Like for example, I don't think. Mitchell's would have been done the way we wanted it to do if it wasn't for the Spider-Verse, but for Spider-Verse happening before us. And also the other things that we've learned from like Hotel Transylvania. The the animators worked on Mitchell's also worked on Hotel Transylvania, but also worked on Spider-Verse. So we can easily have a conversation where it's like, hey, how do you do this whole thing with like the line work and like the the little crazy drawings? And then it's like, also how do you do an elastic like kind of like squash and stretch thing? that you do in like hotel like it's really cool to collaborate with those people because then one thing that happened in spider-verse is that like it was a battlefield to make all of those pieces i mean I, I i think that there was like an artist per frame so like there was like hundreds and hundreds of artists that were hired to just do like a frame of that movie what? but but which which was like, a bit exhausting but then when the mm. movie came out there was like this like yeah we did it god damn did it that's amazing and then they came with that same energy to Mitchell's, being like yeah oh you, you want to do painterly let's go let's do that let's do it <laughs> and there was like an energy an excitement and so i think it's really exciting to just be able to be in a studio where like you know you have people doing different things and then we can just meet with them and be like hey how do you do this and because then it's just going to make the movie look great and I also love that the studio is very Spider-Verse could have come out. And then it's like, let's make every movie look like Spider-Verse. Mm. But it, what it did is that the studio was really smart enough to be like, no, let's just, this says that like things don't have to look a certain way. it doesn't have to be like that Worked for Spider-Verse because it's comic book related. You know, for, for the Mitchells movie, like it feels like an animation student, a first year animation student hijacked a, a giant studio and made her film. Like that's what it, that's what it should feel like. I think hopefully that's what came across. And yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, that's a great description. So, what do you love about the Mitchells as characters and the film overall? Yeah,
3: it's funny because the one thing I love about them is that they say that they're weird. But in my mind, I'm like, I think every family sees themselves as weird. Like, I don't think there's <laughs> an, like if there's a family that's like, we are perfect, I'm like, those, those people are insane. Um, <laughs> that is based on, on Mike Rihanna's father in a way, but I see elements from my dad. I think we did a research trip a while back with Mike and then we just talked about how like the similarities of like the my dad and his dad and like why how I got to understand these characters really well like because like my dad is very like <laughs> he loves collects guns and stuff like that he just has these weird passions but like he he has a good heart you know like he's he just like he means well he's just like very like a little bit like has really goofy crazy ideas and so that Rick, I see my family a lot in, like in the Mitchells and also like Linda reminds me a lot of my mom. And I, I see myself in Katie a lot, just like animation student who's just like, I just want to make the craziest movie I can. So I yeah, for me, it, I think everyone identified with them. And, and I think everyone went like, oh, I'm a crazy, my family is crazy. I think the way saying that your family is crazy is basically saying, oh, my family is normal, you know? <laughs> That's not so true.
0: I think my favorite part was the sibling relationship between Katie and her brother. That was just lovely.
3: There was one thing that we really knew from the very beginning, which is like, there's a kind of a trope of making siblings fight, you know. And I think my he had mentioned is he just wanted to make sure that like they love each other. Like there are siblings that just love each other, regardless of what happens. And so and I, we wanted to keep that that like there wasn't there wouldn't be like a Aaron fighting Katie or anything. Like you know like the only moment that I think Katie. And Aaron have a discussion is when, like you know, at the end of the movie, where, where he's just like, you know, like it's sad because the mom and dad were taken. I don't know. It, it just made me love the relationship even more. Mm. Sometimes siblings relationships are are very hard to get done right, you know. So I'm happy. I'm happy that people have also responded to their relationship well and what were some of your favorite films growing up some of my favorite ones are not animated right. <laughs> i was talking to my wife about this i was like "What's my top five films they kind, they kind of change all the time but like i remember being a kid and watching raising arizona my dad used to bring vhs like at like 10 VHSs every night and then we would just watch them and sometimes there will be horror movies uh <laughs> and my mom would be just dis- disturbed she'd be like how are you showing horror films to this kid and i'm like, he's, like well, he's not a kid anymore i was a kid but like you know that was his excuse you know i remember watching raising arizona being obsessed with it i didn't know why i was like why is this movie so different from the other ones like i don't get it like there's a bounty hunter sent from hell to hunt down these people who stole these kids i'm so in um you know I- i'm an american werewolf in london was the first time I saw a movie that was like, oh, this is a horror film, but it's also comedic. I'm so obsessed with this. And I remember Cinema Paradiso, like I think that it's one of my one of my favorite films of all time. And then I think the movie that changed it for me, I think, was Harold and Mod. Just because I, I remember being like, I would watch these two forever. And and the, the dynamics between the characters was something I had never seen before. Yeah, I think those were my my, my favorite films. And then like I loved animation. Like I, I remember loving Disney movies and and being like oh this is like great and like you know I was right but I almost like them love them for like the technical aspect more than like the story aspect and that's just me when I discovered Akira I was like this is what I'm talking about like Mm -hmm. this is great uh just because it just it took the medium of animation and just I know this conversation always happens where people are saying like oh animation is like a, a genre I'm like oh it's a medium it's a medium in which to tell a story, makes me think of Flea. That could have been a documentary, but there's a reason why it's an animated movie. Those are my films that I am i was pretty much obsessed with growing up. Is
0: there a particular story or genre of film that you'd like to work on next in your career? Like, what's your career goals? Uh,
3: that's a great question. <laughs> uh, well, right now I'm, like, developing some stuff with, with, this, with Sony. Um, but the, the one thing I eventually want to, like, do is, like, a revenge story. I, I never. I want to do, like, an animated revenge story just because I'm obsessed with, like, the theme of justice in films. Like, I don't know, there's something about revenge stories that I've always thought was really interesting, and I hadn't seen an animated movie that deals with it yet. And that's definitely one of the ones I want to do. I kind of want to, like, which I think there's excitement for eventually doing it. I mean, there's not, I we're not doing it, but, like, just to eventually do, like, a, I want to do a horror, animated horror film, you know? Ooh. So I think revenge story and animated horror, like, you know, those for me like are like, I think the two kind of genres that I'm like very interested in doing.
0: You really want to go dark, don't you? I uh,
3: have 100%. But these are, here's the thing. <laughs> then that leads us to the third one, which is musical. I want to do a revenge. I want to do a horror film and I want to do a musical just because I love musicals. To cleanse the palate after that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Like I, I, my taste is very bizarre. Like I watched the whole Holy Mountain but at the same time that I would watch The Bachelor, you know, like it's, it's, it's you know, like I have like this weird eclectic taste. But maybe the reason why I watch The Bachelor is for, for very horror related purposes. Like, you know, like it's like you're watching a car crash. A different kind of horror. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit different category of like horror. But yeah, I think those three for me are like my, hopefully I can get to work on something like that in the future.
1: Awesome. And Guema, what does the Oscar nomination for Best Animated Feature Film mean to you?
3: It's a sign that says, like, hey, you guys are good. You know, you, you all those nights that you were, like, freaking out at 3 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday that you were, like, "Is are people going to get this movie? Like, are we making something that will make sense? Is it too crazy? A collective saying, no, we got it. Yeah, right. and we think it's great, too. One of the things we had, like, what we're thinking about is, like, 2021 and 2020, mostly 2021, had so much animation, like, so much animation. And we're, like, oh, I feel like we're going to disappear through the list of films and but all amazing films but like it was really good to like hear that we are amongst other amazing films and I don't know it's just really it's really exciting and you know uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it as much as I can because I know this like will last a month and then after that we're back to normal.
0: Do you have big Oscar night plans?
3: Um, I have no idea what I'm going to do in the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might go I don't know what the plan is but if I don't go at least I'll probably have my team with me at my house and we'll just like drink and watch it and you know scream at the tv and <laughs> that, that's how i used to do like we used to treat like oscars like the super bowl you know where it's yep. just like we're just eating going like oh come on really for best cinematography yep. like it would just be like this like crazy passionate thing um hopefully we can do <laughs> that again or I'm, we'll i'll be in a tux quietly clapping you know <laughs> i don't know uh, we'll see <laughs> uh, you can
1: still shout can't you from the from the bleachers like, wow,
3: what's this All right. I feel like I can. I feel like I, I mean, here's the thing Mike is very loud. Like, <laughs> we went, he's just very, like, yeah, yeah. And you see people like clapping and just looking at us, like, he's, uh, <laughs> whenever he's like next to us. Uh, uh, so he might just be like very loudly showing emotion. And I guess I will, that will too. Amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I can scream, oh, BS, when someone like gets that when don't wins the award, but um. I don't know. I wish you can. I wish you could. But.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's frowned upon in the Gita, I would say.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. They'll probably warn us. It's like, hey, uh, no heckling <laughs> and uh, no cursing at a particular winner. <laughs> you know, is like, Okay, all right, all right. But can I bring out a banner that says "Well, my thoughts," and they're like, no. <laughs>
1: Uh, grandma thank you so much for your time again today it's been so great speaking with you in in wrapping up will there be future the mitchells versus the machines adventures
3: i hope so you know you know and but we, 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 i don't know yet like right now like it's been we've been so invested in like just this and just and just the oscar of, the, of it all that like it's exciting to, if, if in the future something could happen but yeah i don't know only time will tell if it's gonna happen again,
0: watch this space.
3: There's a lot more stories that could be told about this family. So,
0: well, we hope there's more. And congratulations again on the success of the film. It's a fantastic animation.
3: Oh, thank you so much, uh, and thank you for for this podcast. You know, <laughs> so,
0: and we'll be we'll be cheering you on at the Oscars.
3: Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah, just just scream at the TV, like I said, like just be like,
0: what they won? Well, I'm happy for yeah. them. But
3: you
0: know. <laughs> 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 all right, we'll let you go, Guilmo. Thank you so much for your time again.
3: Absolutely.
1: 2
2: family on 3. It's up at now. Sorry. Sorry, sorry,
1: sorry. 1 Mickey
0: Miller.
1: I think we have a new best friend of the podcast. A <laughs> new bestie.
0: <laughs> Oh, man, it was so fun to chat to Guillermo about this, like, equally fun film. I just loved it. It
1: was such a privilege. Thank you, Guillermo, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode and you learned a lot about the filmmaking process and more behind-the-scenes goss of The Mitchells versus The Machines. And
0: you can watch The Mitchells vs. The Machines for yourself because it's currently streaming on Netflix.
1: All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening.
0: And we'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.